today we are excited to have Jason Cohen from the Big Change the Film, which he's working on. He's a photographer and um, apparently a, a great runner, getting ready to go to Leadville with a bunch of guys and hang out and have fun. But welcome to our podcast, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for uh, allowing me to be on this side. <laughs> You're welcome. I know it is a unique opportunity. Yesterday I was interviewed by someone. I was like, well, this is kind of cool. I know my story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess I'd like to always get started with, in case people don't know your story. So tell me a little bit about your beginnings with a plant-based diet and the dramatic changes that you had health-wise. Uh, well, I'll try and keep it somewhat short, but I was previously, you know, right at or right under 300 pounds, possibly more kind of, you know, when you get to that stage, you, I probably had avoided a scale for, for months or years at that point. But, um, you know, I basically woke up one day, saw 297 on the scale and just told myself, you know, we're not going to get over that number. Um, partially because the scale only went to 300. Uh, after that, it was, uh, you know, it's one of those ones that, that has the, like a rotary dial on a phone. So as I got on, I could slowly see it coming up and it was like, it's going to like, like the spring's going to pop out and whatnot here in a second. And so, um, yeah, I, you know, I saw that and I realized I needed to do something. And, um, for the first time in my adult life, I, you know, I, I, I stopped blaming things on things were just happening to me. And I decided that I was going to actually try and do something about it. And so, um, you know, simultaneously, I had a friend who passed away, um, who looked way better than me, just a little bit older than me, who had heart issues. And then I had other friends around me that were a little older that were starting to have the quote unquote, um, problems of old age. And I could kind of see that I was headed that direction. And uh, I also had one of my really close friends give me a bicycle, which uh, at the time I was like, why are you giving a 300 pound guy a bright Chrome bicycle? Um, but you know, little did I know it was kind of the perfect storm that, that made me fall in love with, uh, cycling, fall in love with, uh, actually just being active period, which, uh, you know, uh, before being active was basically when my wife would tell me dinner was ready and I would put my laptop down and get off the couch. And, um, you know, I just kind of all at once decided to, to start making changes. And then, and then actually, you know, as far as the plant-based stuff goes, uh, it took me, it, it took a while, probably a year or two till I got to that point. You know, I basically, um, initially, you know, you, if you make any change, if you're at 300 pounds, you'll start losing weight. And, um, so, you know, I joked before my, everything I ate was beige. And so I just started trying to eat a couple of things that were not so beige. And, um, and then eventually I got to a point where I hit a plateau in my weight loss. I think I had probably lost, you know, 60 pounds or so, give or take, and I was just looking for another thing to change to try and lose that next little bit of weight. And I had seen a ton of progress that I'd never seen before. And so it was kind of like, what's the possibility? And I just decided to give, you know, vegetarianism a try just as a really just I was I was kind of, you know, desperate in a way, not um, not in a serious way, but I was I was literally willing to try anything. And so I said, I'll give it a try, see what it's like. And then I, I realized that I felt really good. And then, you know, as you start getting down the rabbit hole, you get further and further and then decided I was going to give this whole plant-based, you know, kind of vegan thing a try and then felt even better. And, um, and then that's probably been, I don't know, three years or so now, maybe a little more, um, that I was kind of toying with it. And then, you know, now I'm somewhere between 125, 120 pounds lighter. Um, and, uh, yeah, feeling good. That's amazing. How old were you when you started your journey? Um, I was probably in my middle, late twenties, so probably 26, you know, 27, somewhere in there that, 
I got the bicycle, I was 300 and, um, you know, probably it wasn't until I was, you know, 30, 29, 30, somewhere in there that I started playing with veg or vegan. Okay. How did you actually come across the vegetarian or vegan diet? You know, that I, um, I didn't grow up hunting. My dad's not a hunter. My family aren't hunters, which is a really weird thing being from Louisiana. Cause I was kind of the odd man out. And so I never, I never myself killed for food. And, um, to be honest with you, there was a certain level of me that it wasn't as much about the, the animals per se, but it was about, you know, if I'm going to eat animals, I at least need to be willing to do it myself. And I realized at some level, like it just wasn't of a huge interest to me. Um, and it kind of seemed a little just for myself personally, not projecting on anybody else, but it just seemed a little shallow that I wasn't willing to, I wasn't willing to, to do it. And so I was like, well, if I'm not willing to do it, then maybe I should just look at the, at the alternative. Um, and then, like I said, you know, I really was, you know, I mean, if somebody told me to stand on my head for 30 minutes a day and I'd lose, you know, two pounds a week, like I would have done it because I was, you know, I was determined I'd, I'd come so far in my weight loss and I had seen the progress that it was, I mean, the progress was addicting, but it was also just what else is available? What else could I do? What is possible that I previously believed just simply wasn't possible? Now, you're married. Was your wife uh, a part of this journey in the beginning, or how did that come about? She, um, you know, she's lost weight throughout. She's gotten a lot um, trimmer, more fit. She didn't have nearly the amount, you know, um, to lose. Um, and initially, there's a little bit of pushback. I, I, you know, I'm kind of an extremist in that when I decide to do something, it's kind of full tilt. And so I think you know, I basically came home one day and I was like, I'm a vegetarian. And, uh, you know, there was no real conversation had there. Um, and I pretty much did the same thing whenever I did the veg, um, or the vegan, you know, plant-based and, um, you know, since both times after she kind of got over the initial shock, she's been hundred percent on board. She's also been the cook until really kind of recently. And so that was also a big thing. It was like, all right, well, what am I going to cook you now? You know, Um, and part of that was previously I had no interest in learning how to cook or cooking. And, um, we never, it's kind of opened up an area of our relationship that we never had before because previously she would kind of, you know, poke and prod me out of the kitchen. So I didn't burn something or destroy something. And now we actually spend time in the kitchen together and it's something we really enjoy doing. Um, so she's, she's, she's come around full circle. That's, that's amazing. And no children? No children. No, Uh, she's still raising me. Oh, (laughs) You're a very smart man for admitting that. That's fantastic. Oh, goodness. So now you are a photographer by trade? Yeah, I'm a photographer. Um, It's basically what I've done most of my adult life. So I've been doing it for the last 14 or so years. And um, super fortunate to be able to do what I love and enjoy it. And um, and then I do some video work as well, which kind of, you know, ties into all the personal project stuff that I'm doing. Um, But just generally things kind of, you know, media focused, photography, pays the bills and takes up the most amount of time. But then video is kind of creeping in now these days more than ever. Okay. And so how did the big change, the film come to be? Where did that inspiration come from? You know, at some point I just realized I was only where I was because of the help that other people had given me and the resources and the time and everything else. And, you know, when I got further along my journey and closer to where I am now, I realized that, you know, part of my, job, part of my story is to, is to give, is to find a way to give back, you know, whether that's just through everyday conversations or something, you know, that requires more time. And so 
uh, I just randomly had an idea one day that I would, um, I would, you know, make a documentary with people who've lost over a hundred pounds at the time. That seemed like a, a crazy thing. I, I think I even probably thought at some level that I'd never find poor people that lost a hundred pounds. And now it's pretty routine that I talk to people who've lost, you know, 200 or 300 pounds. And so, um, I just had this idea and I had heard Josh Lajani's story, a friend turned me on to him and I realized that his story had never really been told in video format. And, uh, you know, he was, he's only an hour and a half or so for me. And so I said, what the heck, I'll just, you know, reach out to him and tell him kind of this, this vision for it and just see where it goes. That's fantastic. And how did, um, Josh react when you first asked him to be videoed? Well, initially, he probably just thought I was some crazy person. Um, and so he uh, he kind of, I think as he admits, um, he kind of avoided me a little bit initially. Or I think he was just testing the waters to see how, how serious I was. I think also he, um, you know, he had never been on video before, which, you know, it's one thing to sit and talk to somebody. But it's another thing to have somebody, you know, kind of portray your story on video. There's a lot more, you know, editing can be a powerful thing. And also, you know, it's a big commitment to let somebody come and basically invade your life for a couple of days and stick a camera in it, you know, nonstop and tell you what to do and what not to do. And so I just kept pastoring him and um, we found a date. We spent um, two and a half days with him down um, in the bayou, as he would say. And um, I have a, a buddy of mine who I kind of wrangled into this and told him about my vision for the documentary and he agreed to come on board. His name's Jamie Aurelian. And so he's been, you know, traveling with me and working on this with me, uh, completely pro bono. And, um, and we spent, you know, two and a half days with Josh in, in the Thibodeau area and then in new Orleans. And, uh, and then we just kind of put out his teaser out there just to kind of see what would happen. And, um, and that kind of led to me meeting a bunch of people and getting to the place where I'm at now. That's amazing. So I'm curious because I've talked to Josh and Ramona's mom. You have escaped this across the line, their accent. How did you escape the accent, the Louisiana accent? Well, Lafayette's an interesting place. You know, if I was from where he was from, I'd probably have the accent. Um, but uh, Lafayette's an interesting place in that, you know, it's it's not too far from Texas. It's not too far from kind of central and north Louisiana. So it's just not as heavy down here. But um it's, you know, uh, he's got it pretty strong. He does. And I love talking to him. He cracks me up. Okay. So who else have you interviewed then? Well, right now, um, you know, I think we're, we're at episode either 39 or 40 on the, on the podcast or the interview series. Um, so I kind of have two components, you know, I'm working on the documentary, which is more of a long-term, uh, project and will hopefully be, you know, a, a full length documentary that you would sit down and, and watch on something like Netflix. Um, and then on a weekly basis, I interview people who've also lost significant amounts of weight to just try and share their stories, just show as many real everyday people as possible who've done it. So, um, on the documentary side, we filmed two people that's, um, Josh and Tim Kaufman is who's in Buffalo, New York. And then on the podcast I've, um, that are published, there's been 40, and I think between those 40 people, there's been like 5,700 pounds lost total between those 40. That's amazing. And now, so that's incredible. I mean, if you sit down and think about it, people think, oh, I need to lose 50 pounds or 20 pounds. But these people have lost over plus, 100 plus pounds. That's incredible. Yeah, I do have a few people in there who've skewed the numbers. You know, there's one guy who lost 
390. Uh, there's a couple 300 pounders that have lost you know, 300 pounds. Of course, Josh and Tim have both lost 200. Um, but I kind of, at some point I had the idea to start adding up the numbers as I go. And so now we're, like I said, about 40 people and 5,700 pounds. Um, we like to call it cause where I work, oh, instead of lost pounds, we release the pounds never to be found again. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So as far as your goal for the big change of film, how many individuals are you looking to actually incorporate? What's your, what's your overall platform and how you'd like to see that kind of blossom? Yeah, so basically the idea is to have four people, um, ideally to have two guys and two gals, and um, really just to have as wide of a diversity as possible of people so that no matter who sits down to watch the documentary, that they can relate to one of those people on some level, whether that's a, a female watching and seeing a female or that's a female watching and seeing somebody who lives you know, in a, in a rural life or a guy who sees somebody who lives in a city life, you know, just something to make that connection so that somebody who's sitting on the couch can say, I see myself in that person. And, you know, a big part of this whole thing for me, and I think for a lot of people is, you know, I've been living for so long, basically with the assumption that I will only continue to get bigger. And this is kind of just life for me. And at some point that changed for me, you know, whether that was before or after I started seeing results. And I realized that my life, my destiny, my health was in my own hands. And I wasn't just at the mercy of some, random, you know, unfortunate lottery of genetics. And all these people who I'm meeting have in some way, you know, kind of experienced the same thing. They've, they've been fed a certain lie of the direction that they're headed, the direction their body's headed, the direction their health is headed, but they've yet completely turned that around. And so that's really my, you know, my, my hope will be the takeaway from the whole thing is, you know, these people that I'm meeting they're phenomenal people, but at the end of the day, there's nothing special about them. Um, they've had special things happen to them. They've done special things, but there's nothing special about them innately. And just to really help people realize that, you know, everything they need to make significant changes in their life that they already, you know, have within them, they just, you know, sometimes we just need a little reminder of what we've already got. So you feel like that's the common thread is that these are ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things and anybody, anybody's capable of doing that? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, I, there's there's really nobody, you know, of the 40 people I've interviewed, there's nobody who, I mean, they're all incredible stories. They all have done phenomenal things and they've got different kind of ways of getting there. But, you know, at some point they all realize, regardless of, of what that that spark was, they, you know, they realize that like it is possible to change it around, you know, to have a little faith in themselves um, and, and, and really just you know, have a little bit of a mindset change. And, and sometimes that's a, you know, it's a 180. It's like you wake up one day and life's a certain way and you wake up the next day and life's a completely different way. For me personally, it was more of a gradual thing and the change and the pounds lost or released kind of fed into this new belief that new things were possible. And, you know, it's like, if you don't, if you don't see that something is possible, then you have no reason to believe it. But once you start seeing that things are possible, you can't deny it. And, you know, for me and for a lot of these people, the, there's no denying. I mean, when you look at when you look at Josh or you look at Tim or you look at these other people who've who've done it, you know, you it, it, disbelief is is no longer an option. I like that disbelief is no longer an option, and and then thus failure will not seem so large of a scary thing. So that's amazing. So what was the of all these folks that you've been interviewing? I mean, it's it's kind of fun to see you once you get a 
you know, a, a nice amount of people that you've interviewed, you should be starting to see some different things. But I'm always looking to what was the biggest surprise that you came across? What was a kind of the big surprise? You're like, wow, that that's unusual for this type of journey. Yeah, you know, um, I think for me, I never personally had to deal with a lot of the medical issues that a lot of people end up changing because of. So it's kind of shocking sometimes just to hear what some of these people are going through. Because I'm, you know, number one, it makes me realize how good I, I had it and I have it. Um, but number two, it also makes me realize, like, what some of these people are up against. Um, and, you know, whenever you've got a laundry list of medical ailments, of prescriptions, of everything else, I mean, really a large part of the surprising thing, although it, it doesn't surprise me in that I think that it's impossible – um, is just the, the, the will, you know, the will of some of these people to persevere and su to survive. You know, you look at, you look at Tim Kaufman, who, you know, one of my favorite things to say about him is he went from, he couldn't pick up a piece of chalk in his, in his classroom. I mean, he would kick it to the corner of the room to avoid picking it up in front of his class. And then now he deadlifts 500 pounds. You know, it's like his, he called me this morning he was lost in the middle of the field in a foot of snow, and I don't know if he just needed somebody to talk to so that if uh, if the medics come, that you know uh, they'll 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 have somebody to try and triangulate his phone call. But you know it it's like you know this is a guy who he should I mean I talked to his doctor he should be in a wheelchair he probably should be dead, and so you know just the the perseverance of the individual has really been amazing for me to see. So would you say, who would you say has been your most inspirational then? Would that be Tim or would that be someone else or some other part of another I, story? I can't, I'm, this is going to come back to haunt me. Um, no, you know, there's, I mean, I, uh, there's, there's so, so many, I mean, so, so many memorable things, you know, like one of the things I loved, I don't know if you know who Justin Lacey is, but he started, he started losing weight and then he just went like six months or a year without hitting on, getting on the scale and then one morning got on the scale, realized he had lost over a hundred pounds and then woke his brother up to say, Hey, can you come check the scale and make sure it's not broken? You know, I don't know that I have an individual that is more inspiring or, you know, but there are certainly some stories peppered throughout there that, you know, it, it gives me incredible ammunition whenever somebody is, you know, I'm talking to somebody on the street or I'm telling somebody about the project and they say, yeah, but, and it's like, oh, you know what? I actually, I have this person I talk to, you know, and, and it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not an internet comment. It's a real person. It's real life. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. I actually have interviewed Justin and he was delightful to talk to. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And, uh, how his mom actually inspired him when she had her stroke. I remember that was pretty, pretty amazing. Do you see someone when you do your interviews, is there always maybe a, someone getting sick or is there, is there seem to be more of a gradual change like you describe for yourself or is there like, wow, some, this is it. I, I can't take one more heavy burden. Yeah. I think I'm meeting a lot of people these days who have like a moment, you know, where they have, um, I mean, for a lot of people it is gradual, but I think the unfortunate reality is for a lot of people motivation oftentimes comes in the forms of bad news. Um, and I'm, I'm meeting more and more people who thankfully that, that bad news isn't, isn't, um, completely debilitating or, you know, life-changing, but a lot of times it is. And, um, you know, I think the real root of kind of all of it is 
the people just have a have a moment or have some series of moments where they decide enough is enough and things have to change you know because it's like you can want change for people till the day is long and you can talk to them about it you know forever but you know it's like and it's no offense to anybody but you know it's like when i hear people talk about the yo-yo dieting it's it's for, just from my conversations that I've had with people, I realize at some point that there has to be a moment where there's kind of a division in time and whether that's a, you know, there's some gray area in there or it's a black and white, that there is a before that will be no longer. And then there is a today and forward and, and the, and the, and the tween shall never meet. And, you know, it's, it's like, if you, if you don't get, get past that point, at least from the conversations I've had and what I think, if you don't get past that point of actually changing the way that you perceive food, the way you perceive yourself, the way you perceive possibilities, then you always kind of have this, you'll always have this half-hearted attempt at doing something, which means you're always going to have half-hearted results. Absolutely. Definitely. Did you find a certain common cause, for example, maybe a tragedy when they were little or their parents just ate this way and they kind of grew up in that environment? Was there a food addiction? Was there other substance abuse addiction? Do you see any commonalities amongst those stories? I think a lot of it um, comes to just kind of an imbalance in the way that people view food, myself completely uh, falling or being at the top of that list. You know, um, I was having a conversation with somebody last week and, um, you know, it's like if you if you looked at if you look at food and as investment, you look at it almost as a business person, you know, you spend, let's say at most an hour, an hour and a half a day actually eating. So you, you spend an hour, an hour and a half of your time investing in, in, um, in your, in your food and in your health from that aspect. But then you spend 22 or 23 hours reaping the benefits or lack thereof of, of that, you know, hour. And so it's like, you know, the percentage is, you know, what is that like 4% or something? You basically are, you know, you're, you're putting in 4% uh, in, and then you're kind of having to pay for that with the other 75, with the other 96% of your time. It's a bad investment. And so, you know, it's like, I think it's just that imbalance of realizing like, no, you know, whether it's because you had a parent who locked up a fridge and then you get out of high school and then you kind of go crazy or because, when you were a kid and you had a bad day, your parent handed you a cookie to make you try and feel better. You know, whatever the, it is, it's kind of just an imbalance in the way that we view food. You know, whether that is, as Josh would say, you know, turning food into a sport or just turning it into a comfort um, or just having those, you know, associations that when you go to a restaurant or you go to an area or you go home, you have to eat a certain thing. You know, I think just really just having to take a more of a, you know, people moving towards just a very practical look at, at food and that it can still be enjoyable and tasty and whatnot. But just, um, you know, changing that relationship seems to be seems to be key. So do you talk a lot of, to a lot of different people who have maybe not have come across this type of diet. What objections do you come across um, that people have regarding changing their diet or eating this way? What seems to be the commonality there? I, I like to gather this information so I can use it. I have my own experience, but it's always it's always nice to bring into others. Yeah, I think I think a lot of times, just those, uh, you know, at least and for me too, it's those ties that you have. You know, whether it's a it's a tie of just walking into a place and smelling something, and then just think, you know, it's like you, you kind of create this association, or it's like you know a cultural thing, and you um, you know you feel like your food is your culture. You know, for us here in South Louisiana, 
you know, food, it kind of surrounds everything we do. And, you know, you're at dinner and you're talking about where you're going to eat breakfast or what you're going to eat for breakfast. And you're at lunch and you're talking about, you know, it's just, it, it is what we have come to that put a very, very high value on. And, um, you know, I think just for a lot of people, it's, it's, it almost seems as an attack on their way of life. You know, it's, it's when you, you know, before, you know, I'll have people introduce me sometimes. Oh yeah, he's a vegan. It's like all of a sudden, like I've got, you know, a crossbow just, uh, you know, pointed at their forehead. I'm ready to fire. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's tough because when you hold food so close to you and it is something that's so important to you, you know, anything that's that important to you, if I try to take it away, is going to be an issue. You know, if you try to take away my house or my home, or my car, or my dog or my wife, or, you know, even some small possession that I have, it's going to be a big deal because I value that. And when you value food in that same way, and then people start to say, oh, well, you know, let me take that away or you should change. And, and also, you know, kind of inferring that maybe it's not correct or it's wrong. You know, it's like you're all of a sudden, it's like you're telling, you're insulting their mother because that's the way they, they learn how to eat and things like that. And, you know, it becomes hairy. Um, do you ever find that when you're eating with people who continue to eat a standard American diet, that they look at you and almost in a sense, you get like a, uh, comments of about like you're judging them or you're putting them down and you may not have even mentioned your diet. Yeah. I will say this, probably one of the best compliments I've gotten in this, in this type of, you know, like in this facet of life has been whenever people are like, you know, I appreciate the fact that you don't judge me, you know, cause I think that that comes across a lot. Um, you know, no, not a, not a ton, but you know, they, I also, I always have the people who've like got, you know, a fork and they're like, they're like poking a, poking a, a cheese ball at me or something. And, uh, I had the occasion a couple of weeks ago, I was out of town with some friends who I hadn't seen forever who had known me when I was huge. And they were just like, come on, don't you want to eat it? Don't you want to miss it? And I just kind of backed up from the table. I looked down at my body. I said, does it look like I'm missing it? You know, like, like, I think this is working out for me all right here. What did they say? There wasn't much said after that. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious, when you interview these folks, do they find themselves then sharing advice to others? Did, do you see uh, what would be some of the best tidbits of advice that you hear these guys share with others? Yeah, that's one of the old questions I always ask. I always ask, you know, the two things I pretty much always try and ask are what advice would you give somebody at the beginning of this journey? And then if you could go back in time, what would what would you tell that, you know, former 200, 300, 500 pound self? Um, and oftentimes, you know, the, 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 you know, I think some of the standouts that people have as, as recommendations are, you know, set small goals. Um, also, think about this as adding things instead of taking away things. Um, also, you know, don't beat yourself up, realize that it's not going to be a super smooth road that you're going to have some hiccups and, um, do it for yourself. You don't have to do it for anybody else, you know, take care of yourself, love yourself enough to, to actually make this change. Um, and I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a ton, you know, just, and then, and then a big one is just, you know, decide to make a change, even if it's a small change, you know, even if, um, you know, I was talking to a guy who he, you know, wanted to get healthy. He was 625 pounds and he started walking in place in front of his TV while watching Netflix inside. You know, it's like how small of a change is that when you look back and now he's like run his first marathon, but that little tiny bit 
of a, you know, just a, just a tiny course correction led him to the point where he is today. And, you know, it, it, there's no, you know, it's just, just, you know, look, being able to look back yesterday to yesterday and say, you know what, I did do that. I did, I did make a small change. I did something for myself to, you know, to reach my goals. You know, it's like, it's like if you were trying to save money for retirement or for a car, you know, you, you may not be able to put all that money aside at once, but you know, you can kind of chip away at it. And, and then those things become second nature. And, you know, he went from there to, you know, walking around the block and then, you know, walking a little further and then running, run walking and run jogging and then running. And, you know, now he lost 390 pounds. So, you know, wow. just a small correction. It is. And, you know, I tell people, I was like, you have a trajectory right now, but it's just a degree or two. And then you follow that out. It, it's a very wide path when you get further out in time. And it's an amazing thing to look back on and say, wow, that was my journey. And I'm so glad I took that trajectory. That's amazing. So yeah. it's, it's, now you, it sounds like you do some traveling. So what about with restaurants in Louisiana, other parts of the country? Have you found other places to be easier to consume food or on the road? Or what would you be talking about there? Because that's a lot of the questions I get. It's like, I can't ever eat out again. Yeah. You know, I travel with a ton of food, um, always, you know, so I pretty much always have as a, just pretty much any day I'll usually have some combination of grapes, carrots, apples, red bell peppers. Um, you know, just, just a bunch of like fresh, um, you know, other fruits, bananas, um, just stuff that I can always have. I always have a lunchbox. I have like two or three different size lunch boxes, depending on if I'm going for like a day and afternoon or a couple days. Um, and, um, you know, I usually just try and find a grocery store whenever I go somewhere and I'll just try and grab at bare minimum. I'll try and grab some apples and some bananas. Um, you know, as far as eating out, um, I love going and experiencing new stuff and going to the vegan spots all around. But a lot of times food just looks like, uh, you know, a baked potato with nothing on it and put a little pepper on it. Um, you know, it's just, I've, I've come to a place and I have a resolve now that, that a temporary fix of flavor is not going to, is not going to give me what, you know, it's, it's not going to feed into where my goals are or, or where I'm at. And so if that means that I'm at a restaurant and I, you know, everybody else is eating fried chicken steak, um, and I'm eating a plain baked potato with nothing on it, it's going to be over in 15 minutes. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll do a salad here and there with no dressing or just some balsamic, um, or just see if they have a veggie plate that doesn't have uh, anything. The other thing is I'll, I'll try and seek out places, you know, if I can find places that, that do, that does kind of meet the, uh, the criteria, so to speak. I mean, having whole foods in some of these places definitely helps as well. Um, yeah, whole foods is an amazing place, but in Western Colorado, there's one on the oh, entire uh, West side of the Rocky mountains in Colorado. That's yeah, you know, I've been super fortunate. I mean, it's like, just like anything else, if it's worth it to you, you're going to work for it. And I've been super fortunate to be a ton of places. And there hasn't been a place, you know, I've been to most of the states in the last few years, since I've kind of made this change. And I've yet to find a place where I haven't been able to eat. So, um, you know, those include villages, not towns. <laughs> so, um, you know, it just takes a little bit of work. And sometimes, you know, it also, I think, you know, people, especially when they're new, myself included, you know, you, you feel bad for asking the waitress, like, can you do this or can you do this? And, you know, my attitude is, Hey, look, if I'm going out and paying for something, like I'm kind of paying for it for you to give me what I'm looking for. Um, otherwise I would be at home cooking. Um, and so, you know, I just, 
try and approach them really kindly or I'll, you know, I'll pull them aside before while they're still taking water orders or sometimes I'll call a restaurant before or I'll, you know, excuse myself to the bathroom and just say, hey, look, this is kind of, you know, what I'm looking for. Do you think you can do something about it? Sometimes I just don't eat. And that's the other thing. I'm not going to die by the next meal. Um, and sometimes I'll just, you know, kind of pregame, I may have, you know, a banana or two or an apple or something beforehand. And then when it comes time to dinner, I really don't need to eat that much to, to get me through. There is some benefits to inter- intermittent fasting. So, hey, longevity speaking, there's some really good studies. <laughs> um, that is really interesting. So you had mentioned that you're um, finding yourself in the kitchen. And, you know, the same thing happened with my husband. So he ended up losing 65 pounds. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. And he's, we've been doing this for about five years now and he has turned into this gourmet chef and he's like, you know, throwing spices around and doing all sorts of stuff and Indian food. He's Filipino. So (laughs) it's a very entertaining, uh, kitchen experience. So tell me what, what brought you more into the kitchen and what are you finding that you're finding enjoyable and or challenging and, you know, to kind of give someone the confidence to know it's, it's just food, just go try it. Cause I, I love to cook. So it's fun to see him enjoying this as well. So tell me what you would say about that. Yeah. I mean, it started out where I like, I mean, my wife and I's favorite meal, we'd call like, you know, like, like creme de la creme at home was like a Totino's 97 cent pizza with the shells, mac and cheese on the side, not the normal blue box, but like the dollar 49 box. And so, you know, it's come a long way from there. And, you know, just, it, it, it's been a, it's been a very slow transition. It probably has been a slow transition because my wife has been, you know, giving me the eye from the corner, you know, like, I don't, I'm still not sure about you in here. Um, and, um, and it's just been one small thing over the, after the other, you know, I think, I think after I had gotten off of, you know, the Totino's and the Mac and cheese, and I kind of had a little bit of a palate reset Number one, I started tasting flavors and I'd always loved ethnic food, but, you know, uh, or trying new things, but that was always still along the super buttery, super oily, super salty foods. Whereas like, you know, kind of when you move beyond that, at least my experience, a lot of people I speak with is, you know, you kind of are able to start anew and I'm, I still experience this now. I mean, I, I've, I started eating edamame, um, and, um, and like hummus with chickpeas in the last six months previous to that, I still didn't eat that. Um, and so, you know, it's just been about, about small things here and there. And then there's also a little bit of the challenge to, you know, how do I keep myself, you know, fueled and, and satiated and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then just realizing that like stuff actually comes out that's edible and, you know, what are, what are the possibilities and can I, you know, can I take this a little further and, you know, you just, it's almost like, um, you know, I, I have this conversation with a lot of people. It's like there's a – for a lot of people, not only are they heavy physically, but you're heavily emotionally because you spend so much time thinking about, you know, what other people are thinking, the way that you feel about yourself. Uh, are you going to fit in a place? Um, is this going to be uncomfortable? Am I going to be the biggest person there? And so now that you kind of free up some headspace, you kind of have room for some of these things that previously – it's not just that you didn't have – any kind of, uh, uh, interest in, but you were spending so much time worried about yourself personally and what other people were thinking that you just didn't, it wasn't a consideration. That's a great analogy is freeing up the headspace so you can have other stuff fill it in. And I think that goes the same with just their spiritual component of that, their relief 
and release of the pounds and the stress and everything that comes with it besides the medical component and the physical stuff. I mean, that, that's very true. I'm curious, growing up, what type of food did you eat or consume? Was it, was your mom the one in the cook or were you doing fast food and busy? Because you're, you're younger, right? So how old are you? You're 30? 33. 33. So how, how was that growing up in your folks? Did, oh, did anybody else take on your new diet that you've done so? Yeah, no, just really my wife has taken it on. Um, although I will say my mom probably eats uh, a lot less um, in terms of, uh, in terms of you know, meat, animal products than she used to, for sure. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I was a little bit bigger all the way through probably from middle school to high school. I was never huge, though. You know, I, I think I graduated high school probably at around 220-ish or so. And then I got up to 300 between, you know, the time I was 18 or 19. So the time I was like 26. So when you look at it, you know, it's only 20, 10 pounds a year, you know, or a little, I mean, it's really not that much. I mean, I'm sure there were some years where there was more, you know, you're, you're a college student, you're studying late, cheap food, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't eat terribly at home, but you know, I was an only child. Um, my parents didn't necessarily spoil me, but I was the only one who was, it wasn't like, you know, cooking for one person, another person didn't like it. And then the third person loved one thing, but didn't like another one. You know, it was really just for me. So I was picky, you know, in that I had a very limited range of what I ate, not in that I wouldn't eat much. Um, and so, you know, that just further led to, like I said, you know, you get out of high school, you're in college, you know, I, I basically did photography all through college. I was working for myself so you can make your own purchasing decisions now. And it's like, you know, yeah, Domino's, I live next door to a Domino's place. So I was like, let's do this. You know, like it's 11 o'clock at night. I've got a test tomorrow. Domino's is still open, you know? It's amazing how studying will actually fuel your stomach. It's like, makes you think you're hungry. Um, I'm curious because, you know, my daughter is, oh, she'll be almost 23. And my other two boys who are 18 and 20 are full on board with this diet. And as my husband, obviously, but she has yet to really make that transition. She was 18 when we made that change at home, and then she went off to college, like you're talking about. What would you see or what do you think is holding maybe some younger people back who don't have necessarily the medical ailments that, you know, motivate their elders, <laughs> um, yeah. but really would maybe hit a string or a chord with them? What, what do you think about that? Well, I think, you know, just like anything else, it's like, you know, you, you don't realize it, but you know, with every bite you take, you're making an investment either in a good direction or a bad direction, um, which I think sometimes it's tough whenever you're younger to really see that, you know, it's, it's, a uh, you're living for today. It's, uh, you know, YOLO and, um, you know, every, Jeez. every, <laughs> yeah. And so, but, you know, I think, I, I think whenever you kind of put some people up and you realize, you know, you hear some of these stories, I think, you know, although everybody has kind of come to it from a different way, nobody was dead and nobody was, you know, although they may have been kind of close to it. And, you know, so I guess I would hope that for some young people, they would be able to see it and say like, and see a part of themselves and see to realize that, you know, any, anybody could, could continue down that, that route. Um, you know, it's really hard to, it's really hard. I mean, you know, this outside of anything major, it's hard to motivate people. You know, I can, I can tell you how I have energy and I'm, I can't wait to go for a bike ride after this or a run or go to the gym or go do something outside. But, you know, I just look like a crazy person. I mean, I would have looked like a crazy person in my former 300 pound self. And, 
it's tough because it's hard to motivate people and to help them truly realize that the life that's kind of on the other side of the door, you can't fully realize until you get to the other side of the door. You know, because I, I was 41 when I made this change. <laughs> so um, a little late in the ballgame, but in how it came about, that was pretty cool. But I didn't, and I was always healthy, active. I was at active duty Air Force. But when I made that transition, and I thought I had good energy. I had people selling me like, and I was a runner for years, 20 plus years. And um, I never d thought that I could have more energy or sleep better. But it's like walking out of a fog, even for me, who I didn't have necessarily the huge health issues. I was hypothyroid, and that actually my dosage has dropped even after 20 years of being on medication. And my allergies and stuff getting better. But I can't describe to people the synapses are working better in the brain, and you're, you're more energy, and you're more able to focus with someone. And I, I did, that's what I'm trying to explain or convey to people, and they don't get it. They just, some of them just don't get it. Yeah, it's also tough, too, because, you know, when you're younger, you, you are maybe naturally moving a little more. Maybe you're, you know, not that I'm at all medical about this, but, you know, your metabolism seems to be functioning or, or whatever, whatever affects those, those weight-gaining uh, measures, you know, seem to be functioning a little better, whether it's, you know, uh, lifestyle or, or other. And so, you know, it's sometimes hard to see as a young person, especially as a skinny young person, which I wasn't, but, you know, it's hard to say, like, well, I mean, I look good, you know, I eat. I eat whatever I want, you know? Um, and it's interesting too, cause you know, some of these people, there's one guy in particular, his name's Dave that I spoke with and he had, he had gotten in shape and he was in great health, uh, Dave Willits and he had lost 50 or 60 pounds. He looked great. And then he had a heart attack after he'd lost the weight and he looked great and, you know, went in and realized his, you know, he's like, basically, I think he actually was dead on the table and they revived him. Um, and, you know, if you'd have told Dave three days before he had his heart attack and almost died, he would have said, I feel great. Things are awesome. I'm running, you know, like I'm going to the gym. Um, and he had just done that weight loss with exercise only? Yeah, exercise and, you know, a, a diet. I don't remember what he, you know, some kind Hi of Atkinson. Yeah, some kind of Atkinson kind of deal. Yeah. I've seen people go into heart failure and renal failure with the Atkins diet, so... Um, it breaks my heart when I hear physicians talk about that to their patients, and that's a whole other story, but that's not for you to worry about. It's my, my deal, my wheelhouse. But anyway, I'm so enthralled with the whole Leadville thing. How did that come about? So tell us the story of how you guys are going to go up to a place that's like twelve to 13,000 feet in elevation. It's only, it's only 10. Oh, 10. Only 10. Yeah, Pins, but it takes 13. Yeah, so yeah. But it, yeah. Exactly. I was like, I know there are higher parts of there. And because uh, being from Colorado. So tell me, how did this craziness start? Well, I was, um, my wife and I love Colorado and I love Leadville, um, you know, partially because I've read about it in books and uh, it's a fun little town. And last year, my wife and I were traveling through and um, we stopped in, stopped in a little antique store. And on my way out, I saw these two guys or three guys with varsity sports shirts on, which is a, a sports store in Baton Rouge. And uh, I said, hey, you guys from La from Louisiana? And they were like, yeah. And we started talking. And it turns out we knew a couple people. And I said, uh, I said, uh, well, you know, great to meet you guys. And I hope, you know, have a wonderful one, blah, blah, blah. And they said, were you, are you here for the marathon? Or the? And I was like, no, I, didn't, I had no clue anything was going on. I looked at my wife and she was looking at me like, oh, no. And so they said, you should stick around for the marathon or the half. And I was like, sure. Yeah. And so she, you know, I, uh, 
I will just say that we had some words. And then, you know, after a little bit, she realized that I really wanted to go, you know, I really wanted to stick around and do it. It was two days away. You know, when else am I going to be in Leadville when there's an actual race that I can actually sign up for? And so I called Josh Lajani for some, I'd never done a race before, um, like a 5k, anything. And, uh, wait, 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 your first, your, <laughs> I can't, I have to get this right in my head. Your first race was the Leadville, <laughs> Leadville half and you were from Louisiana. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I had I had run at the time. I think the furthest I had run was like seven and a half or eight miles <laughs> at sea levels. And so, so I said, uh, I said, yeah, why not? You know. Um, and so I called Josh because I I had no clue what I was supposed to eat the day before, the day of, how often I should be eating. And so I simply just called him just to say, what do I do? And uh, he called me back the next morning and he was like, hey, I got a ticket. I'm coming tonight. And so. We got there, and then, you know, basically the next day we ran the race together. And um, and then, you know, it was like, it was this incredible experience. I mean, it was every bit as incredible as I would have hoped for. And, um, you know, then he and I started talking. Um, it was like, well, we need to go back and do the fold now. We have, you know, unfinished business, so to speak. And then my wife, you know, kind of simultaneously was had started running and um, was like, I think I want to go and do the half. And so it was like, well, we should come back and I'll do the full, you do the half, Josh will come. And then I just kind of started inviting people and, um, I would, you know, interview people for the podcast or we talk otherwise. And I'd say, Hey, you should come. We're going to do this, you know, Josh and I, and then Tim and his, Tim and Heather committed. And, you know, we've just kind of one by one added people. And then now, um, I rented an Airbnb that we're going to kind of treat, as a clubhouse and a place to cook. Cause you know, places to eat up there are a little limited. And so it'll just give us a great place. And then the other thing is, is that I have no clue how this will fit in, but the guy who is also Jamie, who's working on the documentary with me, will be up there to kind of film the whole thing. Cause it's basically going to be a bunch of people who were, you know, who shouldn't be there, you know, a bunch of people who used to weigh hundreds and thousands of pounds more who never belong on the starting line of a half or a full marathon in the highest town in America. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a, it's a dream come true. It's amazing. Every time I think about it, we talk about it, you know, um, so open invitation, anybody who wants to come, I think, I think now we're probably up to a dozen or two dozen people and, um, yeah, we're just going to go and, and do the impossible, so to speak. I, I am so thinking about doing that level half with your wife then because uh, I want to meet all you guys in, peop- in person. I've talked to so many of you via Skype or on Facebook, and I'm truly inspired to come. Um, fantastic. I ran SS Parks half last year. That was really fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. It's beautiful. Okay. Well, very, very fascinating. So tell me, um, Jason, before we close, I, I appreciate your time you know, you always ask about advice and what you would tell your former self. So I'm going to throw that back at you. Tell me what would be your advice and what would you tell your former self? I would say, you know, don't believe, don't believe the, uh, the mind chatter and the lies in terms of that, you know, you're not capable of more. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't, um, I don't regret anything. I don't wish that, you know, anything would have happened differently because obviously I'm here talking to you and life is great, but you know, I wish that I wish that I could have known or I could have had somebody say to me a little earlier, um, you know, like that, that it's possible that you can change things around that you can, you know, move that course one or two degrees and it will put you in a completely different place. Um, and, um, 
Yeah. And, 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 and really the hope not to go back to it, but the hope is this whole project in the movie will hopefully, you know, be able to tell people in a way that I just didn't, I didn't have anybody tell me. That's amazing. So where can they find more information about big change, the film? So, um, we are, uh, you can find the podcast series under any of your favorite podcast players. Um, you can find us on YouTube. If you search big change, the film, all of the interviews go up, um, that I do via Skype onto that. Um, they're basically the same as the podcast. Um, you know, we are, uh, I've already done, we filmed Josh, we filmed Tim. The next step is going to be to film these next two females. And so, we are just, you know, basically figuring out timing and trying to figure out, you know, funding and whatnot for that. Um, and um, updates on that, you know, as far as what we're doing, if we are filming something and whatnot, can usually be found on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash big change the film. That's kind of where I, I upload everything. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. Perfect. So Facebook's a good place for interface as far as notifying you or saying someone wants to maybe support you or do something like that. Do you yeah. have a, a fund a fundraising or crowdfunding? Yeah, but so at bigchangethefilm.com, there's a donate button. And so people can donate at bigchangethefilm.com and, um, or they can reach out to me directly. You know, I'm, um, as I may have mentioned to you previously, I started out this having no clue what I was doing. I'm not much further along. I've just had a lot of conversations. And so, you know, part of this is just trying to, trying to navigate and figure it out, you know, ideally, um, you know, I, I've said it before, but, uh, I'm going to do this and make it happen if I don't get any funding. Um, but ideally it would be awesome to have some kind of a partnership or some funding, you know, we've had some people make donations, um, and it's really just to cover the basics, you know, um, flights, hotels, um, you know, all my time is, is donated, um, and so really the hope is to just be able to get a little bit to kind of do some of that stuff. We're possibly going to be doing a fundraiser kind of, um, I guess I should just say it cause that'll make me do it, but we're going to possibly do a t-shirt sale that is kind of inspired by, um, a conversation that I had, um, actually with Josh. And so the idea is that we would do a t-shirt sale and all, all, uh, profits from that t-shirt sales would go towards uh, producing the film and flights and things like that. That's perfect. I love it. So make sure and let me know about that too. And I'll put all these and let everyone know, just look on the show notes below when we produce the podcast that you're, where you can be found and how we can support you. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time of being on the other side of the Skype interview. And uh, it's such a joy always to um, work with people. And I like to acknowledge people and say thank you for those that may not have said thank you or the people that you will be hitting with this film. And I'm just so thrilled to be kind of watching you on your journey and excited to finally connect it with you because a lot of people told me, like, Lori, you have to go and interview Jason. And I'm like, okay, I will keep on reaching out. <laughs> and well, it was, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, it was well worth it. And I appreciate you on such short notice uh, letting me talk to you. But, you know, again, I just want to acknowledge you and th thank you for everything you're doing and you're changing lives. And that's what we're all here to do, right, is to help each other along the way, this path of life called life. So. Thank you. Absolutely. And thanks for what you're doing as well. I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. And uh, have a great day, everyone.